the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we head into hour three. It's a delight to be able to keep Sam Stone with us. Sam is a radio host in his own right. You can hear his uh, show every Saturday mornings right here on 960 AM at 9 AM, Breaking Battlegrounds. And he is a political consultant in town and has a great and active Twix feed, Sam the Paul, P-O-L. Follow him and... um, and uh, you will uh, you will you will be reading a lot of a lot of great material that you often don't find in the Washington Post or New York Times or Arizona Republic. And I'll turn to that in a moment, Sam. Speaking of getting a double shot of you today, Sam, uh, young David and I didn't know this about each other, but we were both at the Dirty Drummer last night with Sam. I was <laughs> Sam as I was walking out. <laughs> <laughs> need to have you join us. It sounds like a Bruce Springsteen or a Jimmy Buffett song, doesn't it? Ran well, into yeah, a yeah, chump time, with a bottle of rum. You got to let me know. Yeah. You also have to try in the same in the same neighborhood the old brass rail. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I've driven by it a million times, huh? I said interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll give it a try. Do you have any questions? Yeah, they're they're very competitive with one another, oh. uh, which is a good thing. They 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 spur each other to new heights. Do you have any questions for Sam, Young David? Well, no. I, well, how does Sam feel about the tuna melt? Seth and I got in a discussion about the tuna melt earlier in the show, and I'd like to know Sam's opinions on it. Well, I, I love the tuna melt, but I have not had theirs. It did sound really good. I, I am not much of a fan of the tuna melt. Seth is. Which means it's good. Okay. Ah. Now, now, now. <laughs> and thus constitutes the uh, the food part of our cultural discussion. Sam, I was taken by a piece, and feel free to go back to the university thing if you want, but I was taken by a piece in the Wall Street Journal today by Daniel Henninger uh, about, he's picking up on something you and I have spent a lot of time talking about, just the kind of craziness that's going on in our society. Things seem to be unwound. Things have seemed to, our social cohesion, epoxy seems to have dissolved. Uh, whether it's, you know, the way adults behave uh, politically, whether it's the way they comport themselves in common practice, yelling, screaming, fistfights, um, the political angles of using historical pejoratives of the worst sort to blast your opponent as a fascist or Nazi rather than just someone you disagree with or a conservative. The violence in protesting, the violence in the protesting in the streets, the violence in the protesting at museums, the defacing of art, the uh, shutting down of businesses by protesters on behalf of institutions, organizations that are nothing more than terrorist outposts. Um, a parade yesterday over the Super Bowl gets shot up over what looks like a, possibly just a personal dispute, God knows. Um, we're in an odd time, and he said there's a medical new medical term for it called emotional dysregulation. Emotional dysregulation. Um, it bothers me that we now medicalize everything and psychologize, psychologize everything. It's it's but something is going on here. Something's going on in this country. Something doesn't feel quite right. 
in this country? Oh, I, I don't disagree at all. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of things, right? I think social media has, has a significant role in this. Um, as we've talked about before, social media is really, really dangerous because it allows people to say things to each other that no one would ever say face to face on one hand. And then on the other hand, it elevates people who are the worst elements of society in every capacity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it didn't used to be like there was always a thing. I, I grew up kind of around Eastern uh, you know, wealthy society. I, I, I make no bones about the fact that I was a very privileged kid growing up. Okay. Um, one of the things that was always sort of understood was that you didn't rub your wealth in the face of other people. Okay. And yet social media really makes rubbing your wealth in the face of other people okay. an elevating thing, right? People yeah. are celebrated for doing that. And it's really, really horrific because it also elevates the position that money has, you know, mammon over man. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and, and it really dehumanizes folks. So I, I think you take that, you take everything that's going on with our universities, you take, and that's being done by a lot of people deliberately for their own elevation also. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, something I'm going to tie into it that, that may not seem tied initially, but it, all the revelations that have come out in the last 48 hours about the CIA's yeah. role yeah. Um, in not just promulgating and, and promoting the Trump-Russia collusion narrative, but actually creating it from the ground up. Okay. Um, you have this subset within our government and within the, the highest halls of power that is very willing to watch the people of this country and the world murder each other en masse if it helps them achieve their global aims. And boy, when you add all this up, it is a toxic stew of unrecognizable proportions. And I'm not sure the, the most worrying thing to me is I'm not sure how we get out of it. Well, okay, let's talk about that. So if the last hour was a bit of the university, was a lot about the university and its role, higher education and its role in society's disruption, I want to talk about, yes, certainly the intelligence agencies, but the media too, if you will, let me. Before I do that, let me say too, Sam, see if you agree, maybe you don't that it does something to a vibe in this country. It creates a vibration in this country when you have half the people or more believing that your president was not legitimately elected and was elected by dint of a Russian conspiracy. That does something to a population. And then that reticular loop reaffirmed day in and day out by congressmen of responsibility when they know it wasn't true. And it does something to a population, I think, and creates a vibe when 50 percent or more of the country are told in that reticular loop that not only was he um, a Russian uh, agent, secret agent or dupe, but that he's also a fascist and worse than Hitler. I think four years of telling people that does something to a lot of people's minds. I do. Oh, absolutely. And and that goes back to two things. I mean, first off, 
a lot of our media centers, the ones that everyone else gets there in the media, gets their news from. So the, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, uh, clearly have a bunch of people who are basically nothing more than mouthpieces for these insiders uh, in intelligence and in the high rank halls of government. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in fact, they just promoted one of them <laughs> over at CNN. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the, there's that, right? Like this doesn't have to be a standalone thing. Mm-hmm. There are outside forces influencing it. Mm-hmm. You look at things like George Soros, who's bought up and created all these newspapers. We've got a handful of them that we have here in Arizona, the Mirror and the, you know, the whatever thing that Jen Feifeld does for the, you know, election news thing or whatever. Uh, All these things are just created whole cloth by the Soros network to promote a particular narrative and to tear the country apart. Mm -hmm. You have the news today that Soros is buying 200 radio stations ahead of, uh, ahead of this coming election that, you know, obviously will be used in the same fashion. Mm -hmm. Um, There are really good reasons that this is all happening to us. um, And they're not organic. And that's, to me, what bothers me most about this, is you can see uh, really sort of a hidden hand behind these things driving a lot of this for an agenda that doesn't make sense for most folks, but does to them. And it's a really dangerous, it's a eugenicist-based view of the world. It views, you know, you were talking about how all these liberals could never conceive of a black president. Right, 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 right. Right? Right. And it ties back to that in, in, a, in an important way is that the most racist people I've ever met and dealt with are Eastern white liberals. Sure, sure. They are they are massively racist in their world outlook and view the world through the lens that without them and their enlightened guidance, especially of minority populations, that there will just be chaos. Part and parcel of that is their funding and support on the ground of Marxist BLM orientations on the notion that people are of racial minority or status are unable to achieve by dint of their own efforts and decency. I think that's part and parcel of their racism. Can I take a quick break and have you pick up on that when we come back? You bet. Sam Stone is my guest. Seth Leapson here coming to you from the Veteran Dome Midas Gold Group sponsored 960 Patriot Studio. The Veteran Owned Midas Gold Group is your trusted source for precious metals. Sam Stone, your trusted source for precious thought. We'll be right back. Carefree Highway. Love it. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. A little more local flavor here for you. Sam Stone is my guest. Radio host uh, uh, has his own show Saturday mornings heard right here at 9 a.m. Breaking Battlegrounds. Political consultant Sam the Paul. Sam, the racism uh, that is so um, underneath the white liberal establishment that you were talking about, I think is exampled and evidenced in a lot of different ways. For example, here's, here's, here's but one of many examples. When Joe Biden speaks about um, voting eligibility and voting rights, or when, or, or, or when any of his co-partisans do, this notion that minorities can't get access to ID cards, for example, 
or verifiable right. ID, um, or that, um, or that they that, need affirmative action to score as well as you know you or I do. Um, rather than fix the schools, they want to do it on the back end and play the race marble game. They do, and you know it. There's so many elements of it that are wrong in, in what they're doing, but fundamentally, it's this idea that because all these people, you know, are are black and poor or brown and poor, yeah. what have you, yeah. um, that therefore they are perpetually unable to take care of themselves in even the most basic ways. And I've had this discussion with with a number of black Democrats. You know, there's an interesting phenomenon going on that people aren't talking about is is that if you subtract the government dependent class, right, that black folks are moving towards the Republican Party in unprecedented numbers right now Um, to the point that it may be a real electoral problem for Joe Biden, depending on how things play out, obviously. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, had this discussion with them, and you know, I, I've had a few of them straight up accuse me. Sure. You know, you're Republican, you're racist, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, we're the racist here's party. the thing. Right. Yeah. I don't want to do anything for you. <laughs> I don't want to, that's true. I absolutely don't. I don't want to do anything for you, but I don't want the government to do anything for me either. Whatever it does, it has to be universal. It has to apply to all of us. That's my only real condition. And generally, my view is I'd like them to do less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I say, contrast that to what the other side is saying. They're saying that because of the color of your skin and the neighborhoods you grew up in, that you don't know how to get to the DMV. Right. They're saying that because of the color of your skin and the neighborhoods you grew up in, you're not capable of learning math. Right. None of this makes any sense at all in the real world. Right. And yet, that, that paternalistic racist attitude persists throughout the left yes and what it comes down to to me is it's been used by left elitists to maintain their power by as much as they are able to creating captive populations to government dependency okay and then on the other side that type of system enables a very certain personality type the grifter Uh uh-huh uh-huh, uh-huh. To become a very powerful figure, so if everything is is allocated via government, uh-huh. and you are a grifter, it's very easy to manipulate those levers in your favor, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and that's what we see, and that's what I see with unfortunately black leadership in this country that's been elevated. Too many of them fall into the grifter camp. Well, let's explain how they do it. Let's explain how Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson perfected this to a fare thee well. You, Company X, will pay me, Organization Y. Otherwise, we get X times 100,000 to protest you and call you racist. That's how this works. Yep. It's, It's a scam. It is absolutely a scam. It is a con game. And and yet we've elevated these folks. And it serves the purposes of the left elite to elevate that type of leadership, which is the worst possible thing for the African-American community. I've had so many conversations with folks who are like, you know, 
Jesse Jackson does not represent me at all. Al Sharpton doesn't represent me at all. These, you know, Brandon Johnson and the mayor of Chicago doesn't represent me at all. But yet these are who are elevated in in black culture, right? They're who get the news. They get the publicity and they end it. And it is a con game. Well, let me put, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Contrast that to a a Clarence Thomas. Yes. Who is the perfect, Ben, Ben, uh, what's his name, Uh, 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 the surgeon. Oh, yeah, Ben Carson, right, yes. Ben Carson, thank you. Right, right. You know, these are people who eschewed every element of the paternalistic, racist ideology of the left and have succeeded to heights almost no one can fathom. The, um... The, yes, and and even a generation below them, your Glenn Lowry, Lowry's, if you will, uh, yeah. you've seen some of that. Your John McWhorter's people, who's there was an interesting. They, they do. They actually, I guess, do a podcast. The two of them, Glenn Lowry's a professor at uh, Brown and uh, McWhorter's at Columbia, I think. Um, they actually do a podcast, and I think about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I don't know if you saw this. Glenn Lowry started screaming about affirmative action. Because he said it conveys to the rest of the world that I didn't get here by my own hard work and the brain I have that is better than 99% of the other brains I encounter. And I get it. Shelby Steele, who actually now lives in Arizona, put this in his book, 1991, The Content of Our Character, I believe it was called. And he has this line that is just pregnant with meaning about racial affirmative action programs lead to, and I'll quote it exactly, I never want to get it wrong and there's no need to get it wrong, I'll quote it exactly, he said, leads to the permanent stigma of questionable competence. And that's what animates the anger of Glenn Lowry so much. Not that Shelby wrote it, but that Shelby's right. No, absolutely. Absolutely, and it should. You know, this is... When you elevate the worst elements of society, when you celebrate the worst elements of society and create in systems of incentive for people to follow in the footsteps of those folks, you are doing permanent damage to your culture and to your future. And that is what we have seen, you know, so often over and over with the the black community. But now we're seeing it also. They're spreading that same approach to the white left. Yes. Let me actually take the break and pick up on that, too. And I also want to talk about it in the context of uh, crime and violence between minorities and uh, police uh, uh, police precincts, uh, the institution of policing in America. Sam Stone and I will be right back. He can be followed on Twix, which is our portmanteau of Twitter and X with the handle Sam the Paul, P-O-L. You can hear him on radio here every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. as well. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, coming to you from the 960 Patriots studio, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Sam Stone is my guest. Um, Sam, this reinforced message and loop that um, high officials and academics uh, and the media, haven't gotten to them much yet, and the media keep reinforcing in the minority communities that you can't succeed, that you are a victim, that this country is against you. It leads to something worse than um, 
lower achievements. It leads to something worse than the inability to even try. It leads to something worse than even um, an expectation and dependency on government subvention. It sometimes leads to death. And, you know, when we went through this awful, awful moment in 2020, and you've seen moments of it before that, especially given your work in municipal politics, where every shooting by a police officer uh, that took out or down a member of the minority community who was youthful, upon examination, the narrative usually fell apart that this wasn't an act of racism. It usually fell apart on the rocks and the shoals of the notion that these communities have been told the police are their enemy. Yes. You know, if you grow up, they keep talking about the talk, the talk. I'm sick of it. If you tell someone that if a policeman stops you, he wants to kill you, what the hell would your reaction be? My reaction would right. be to run away or kill them. That's how this right. happens, Sam. Too often. It, it Not is. every time, it's but a, too often. It is a deadly ideology they're spreading. And, and actually, the reason I haven't focused as much on the media or, or on K-12, for that matter, is these are downstream of the university. Yeah, of course. The, right. the attitude of these are coming from the universities. Of course. So, you know, for root causes, the two roots are a, a subset within the, the halls of power, a permanent class within the halls of power and at the university. Yes. And they are really doing things that are incredibly dangerous to society. So it's not just what we're seeing in, you know, we saw in 2020 and throughout that summer. Um, it's not just, it, it is the fact that they have, imbued a narrative that is believed, fully believed by more than half of the country because of the information flow. That, for instance, hands up, don't shoot was a, right. a to- I mean, hands up, don't shoot was a total lie. Right. And yet if you ask people, the majority of people in this country still believe the original story as presented by the media. My God, um, Congress. What, what yeah. happened in Congress? Didn't we have congressman after congressman after congressman standing before the microphone muttering those fictionalized words? Yes. Yes, we did. Even after it was proven right. by Obama's right. DOJ and right. Eric Holder, right. that was complete bunk. Right. Right. They're still doing it. And this gets back to the, the earlier point where I was, I was making in the last segment about the con, con men and grifters. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you believe, Seth, for one second, do you believe that Adam Schiff or Jerry Nadler actually believe the words that they spew? You know, I was going to ask you that question. I was going to ask you that question. I was going to ask you that along with, do you think CNN believed what the 51 intelligence officials said? Do you think any of them believed the Steele dossier? I, that's a damn good question. What's your answer to that? My answer in the case of the Schiff and Nadler is no, that okay. they are con men. Okay. Right? There, there's a difference. I think at the the... When you go back, when you go down to the media level, the people, I think half the people at CNN believed all that because they chose to and chose not to look at anything else, right? And all the hard workers are under 30 and don't know better. 
They grew right. up with the mythology of what they are. Yes, go on. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, the other half of people there felt pressure in their own minds or in, in direct reality, one way or another, to stand by that narrative and not to question. And knew it was bunk, but chose to allow it because it served their interests. All right. Hold that thought. I want to pick up on that, and I'm going to push a little on the media front of this as well. Sam Stone is my guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Sam Stone is my guest, political consultant, radio host as well. Sam, the media element in all this, and you're right, it does come from the university, and the schools of journalism are disasters and need the equal conflagration and bearing that we spoke of in the previous hour. Um, that having been said, uh, we still have a huge media infrastructure um, and edifice that we have to deal with. The story is given away all the time, by the way, the media projects its bias. But, you know, I, I just the one instance I can't get out of my head by by no means the worst, not even in the category of the worst, but it's illustrative. Remember the kerfuffle last year? Um, when CNN did an interview with Donald Trump and they had a meltdown akin to when the New York Times published Tom Cotton. Do you remember that? Yes. And Chris Licht, then the vice, excuse me, then the president of CNN sent a company-wide memo to kind of soothe the children, you know, trying to, try to calm the waters a little bit. He right. said, uh, CNN doesn't just make the news, it shapes the news. Really? Yes. Really? Is that what we expect of CNN, to shape the news? Is that what we expect? Well, it's what they expect. Again, it's that conversation you and I have with the person who is not on the same page as thinking education is about math, English, and science. It's about, you know, revolution. Maybe we're having conversations with the journalistic community that doesn't think it's about reportage, but propaganda. Maybe. Well, and they would see it as advocacy, right? Better, yeah, um, yeah, better word, better word. You know, they, the part of this, the problem in, we see that what is coming from the left is so deeply, deeply damaging. And we understand that. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of these folks, in their heart of hearts, they understand that also. Okay. And I think that the doubling down... The move, for instance, the very deliberate open move away from journalistic impartiality uh-huh. and reporting the news to advocating a point of view, I think is a way to help assuage their conscience. Okay, It's group therapy for people who are badly, badly off track and know it, Okay, but who don't want to look at the sins that are driving their poor decisions and, and ideology. Okay. 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 So, um, you said it's not going to end anytime soon. One of the things the conservatives and common sense oriented and maybe moderates have done is just tried to expand the pool, I suppose, as Hillsdale did to colleges and universities and a few others, maybe the University of Austin will have some effect here, Some, perhaps the new school in Florida. You know, we have tried to expand outlets for conservative uh, news or even non-biased news. Um, I don't know that it works 
fully because it seems to me it just creates... I mean, I'm glad we're doing it, believe me. <laughs> Without talk radio or Fox, I don't know where we'd be, baby. But but um, but it does seem to me it still is creating these divides. People just go to their silos of preference, it seems to me. And there will never I, I be mean, enough Hillsdales and there will never be enough 960 AM, so to speak. That's exactly right. It, 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 more, it silos people. Um, it allows us, it, you know, one of the things that I've, sort of complained about in our party. And it, it's one of the reasons I'm a, I am not the hugest advocate. I, I believe in school choice, yeah. but I haven't been one of the people out really in front pounding on that, that, that drum for a very simple reason. I think it allows us off the hook yep. for the failures of public school. Yeah. Well, also the choices can be really, you know what? <clears throat> yeah. I will yeah, tell no, you that it, there are private schools in our city that are worse than some of the public schools. Absolutely. Absolutely the case. I think it is an abrogation of our responsibility in some sense. We have a responsibility to go in and clean house in our K-12 system, in our colleges, and universities. And obviously, there's not much you're going to be able to do about Harvard, but there's a heck of a lot you can do about an ASU. Yeah. And let's do that. Instead of trying to create alternative systems for everything, let's make a real attempt to fix these, right? And I I don't see any real political interest, effort, or focus on doing that. And I think there's too many kids that we're abandoning that way to never see a different viewpoint. Right, right, right. Are you seeing any signs of hope? I got to say, I, I I don't want to be too much of a pessimist because my nature is not that. No, right? it isn't. That's mine. Um, <laughs> mine is. Mine is. Yours isn't. That's why we get right. along. Maybe we balance. <laughs> yeah. We keep the world in equipoise that way. Maybe I don't. Know. I, I think it is the, the the problem I see now is I'm not sure that there is a course correction that comes about without a real catastrophe first. Okay. That forces a national soul searching on a level that we haven't been willing or able to engage in for generations now. Well, you put your finger um, on how hard and how damn hard it is, because after 9-11, we thought that time came. We thought we finally could put relativism to bed, the notion that there's no difference between good and evil, and it lasted about three months. That's how hard the job is. It, it is. It is. Although, again... <laughs> I, I give back. you I give you Hamas Israel today fifty one percent of college students again all that right. goes back right. to the university right 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 like literally the first thing you need to do is just start by oh you know tearing your uni- your state university to the ground and starting over mm-hmm. and that's that's going to be the inflection point what gets us as Republicans because it's not our nature to tear down systems nope. The nature of Republicans is to work to contain the impact of government and make sure that our systems function fairly for everybody. You know, if I were to define the basic function of Republican ideology, that would be it. Um, the problem with it is that we haven't been willing to, to be uncomfortable to the degree that we're going to have to be uncomfortable to make this change. Bless you, Sam, and thank you, sir.
It's a great discussion. Go rest your voice. You did great work with me today. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Seth. Thank you. Sam Stone, I'll be right back with a final thought. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, and thanks for spending some of your day and certainly hours with us. Brought to you in part by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have a great investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Maybe a better option for you than where you have your money now, or in addition to some of where you have your money now. They give you a lot of flexibility at Y-Refi. You can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like. There are absolutely no fees. There's no attack on principle. If you ever need your money back, you get a monthly statement, no surprises. Best of all, you can earn up to a ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. Um, check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24. 888-YREFI-24. I'll close with a thought um, from C.S. Lewis, his book, Abolition of Man, really importantly titled book. For every one pupil who needs to be guarded from a weak excess of sensibility, there are three who need to be awakened from the slumber of cold vulgarity. The task of the modern educator is not to cut down jungles, but to irrigate deserts. The right defense against false sentiments is to inculcate just sentiments. By starving the sensibilities of our pupils, we only make them easier prey to the propagandist when he comes. For famished nature will avenge, excuse me, for famished famished nature will be avenged, and a hard heart is no infallible protection against a soft head. We're creating soft heads with false sentiments that allow people to become easy prey for propaganda once they are adults. And to bring it full circle to my monologue in the first hour, that's what gets you emotional, intellectual, social, and cultural dysregulation. Until tomorrow, thank you, young David Dahl. Thank you, Mr. Bill. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you, all of you. God bless you all. I'm Seth Leibson and class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.